welcome to the Instinct Performance Podcast. This podcast covers various topics such as sports psychology, strength training, speed training, and everything geared towards peak performance in your sport. This podcast shares uncut interviews from Olympic, professional, and high-performance athletes and coaches, and will share information that isn't easily accessible. I, Isaiah McDonald, share my story of staying in homeless shelters as a kid to playing college sports and now running my own business and training hundreds of professional and high-performance athletes. I want to show you the tools, knowledge, and accountability it takes to play and perform at a high level in sport and in life. Don't just listen to the knowledge and wisdom shared in this show. Practically apply what you learn and watch your sports performance skyrocket. Let's get this thing popping. And we are live. Ryan Conroy in the house. Welcome back to the Instinct Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah McDonald. Uh, I'm extremely excited to welcome Ryan to the show. Ryan was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles organization out of Elon University a division one school in North Carolina. Ryan and I met a few months ago uh, while training down in Florida. I'm the trainer, Uh, Ryan's the athlete. (laughs) (laughs) I love working with this dude, nothing but good energy. Although I I am actually really glad you're about to report so I don't have to play catch with you. Uh, Yeah, me too. Damn damn singers turning my hand blue, man. So (laughs) that. Uh, In this episode, we're going to dive into all things performance. Uh, We're going to talk about Ryan's mental and physical process on the mound, his time at Elon University, and how he battled adversity through COVID, uh, and his journey through Tommy John, and ultimately signing a contract. So welcome, Ryan, to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Hey, bombing introduction. Look at you. What's up? We'll see you in the big league soon, but uh, I hope so. Do this. Uh, so just just so listeners can start to get to know you before we get into the deep questions, uh, let's talk about your journey from getting maybe TJ in high school. Um, how are you? How you were able to overcome that uh, and still get the opportunity to play Division One sports and then ultimately get drafted? Um, yeah, let's dive deep. Sure. I mean, so, you know, my baseball career started from when I was a kid um, growing up. My dad, you know, put a baseball in my hand um, from when I was the time I was four. Um, I was playing 10U, 10U travel ball when I was eight, doing everything, travel around all over the state of Florida, uh, playing in tournaments, things like that. Um, I ended up, long story short, get to high school. Uh, I make varsity as a freshman, super pumped, ready to go. Um, you know, my arm starts to hurt a little bit and you know I I just chalked it up to being a pitcher I play baseball all year round here down in Florida we take about two weeks off at a time um you know my sophomore year comes my arm's still hurting I end up going to a doctor they think I have tendonitis so I end up playing my entire sophomore season and my arm's killing me and I know something's wrong and you know when I hit that point when I knew something's wrong I, I couldn't just you know brush it off any longer uh, I went to a uh, doctor up in Sarasota. He did an MRI, found out that I had a 70% tear in my UCL. And, you know, that hit me as a shock, you know. Uh, you grow up doing a sport, you know, your whole life. 
it's kind of part of your identity type deal. That was a, a shocking point. But for me, there was never this like, what am I going to do? You know, there was never like, oh, am I going to, am I going to quit? There was never that moment. I was like, okay, well, I guess I just got to go get surgery. Like there was never a question in my mind and it, and it didn't hit me until I got out of that doctor's office and I'm walking around school and things and I have parents coming up to me. So, you know, what are you going to do now that baseball is over? And I'm looking at, I'm like, you crazy. You know, and I'm 16 years old and thinking about it back then, you know, 16 years old is probably, I mean, it was pretty early to be getting Tommy John. Um, and so, but there was never a doubt in my mind. And so um, through various connections and, you know, the goodwill of uh, friends and family, I was able to get into Dr. Andrews. Um, and he, you know, took a look at my elbow, my elbow, my elbow himself and, you know, said I needed surgery. Uh, a few weeks later, went and got surgery on my dad's birthday, up at 4 a.m. on my dad's birthday uh, to get cut open. He uh, ended up cutting me open. He uh, replaced my elbow. Um, and then my journey started. You know, it, that started with curling one-pound dumbbells. Um, that was a humbling experience. Um, and it was a tough one. That was probably one of the tougher times in my life, going to rehab pretty much every day for six to seven months when all my friends were going out and playing and doing this and doing that, um, you know, it was tough. Uh, it was very humbling um, to say the least to be able to have to work that hard just to be able to play again, let alone, you know, excel. And because of that, where that timeline was, I ended up missing the majority of my junior year. Um, you know, I've always been a pitcher. I was a good pitcher. I was a starting shortstop. Um, but everybody knew that I was going to be a pitcher. And for me, I lost my entire junior season pitching. I was able to play first base and hit. And, you know, that was fun that I could be able to do that. But for recruiting purposes, you know, I wasn't able to get out there and get in front of people that were going to get me to the next level. Um, I was from there. I went on to play travel ball um, with FTB out of Orlando for the summer. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't break 85 that summer. <laughs> um, it, for whatever reason, it was just, you know, maybe a mental block. I felt fine. Um, but there is a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say research, but a lot of thoughts that, you know, you don't usually get to your best after Tom and John until about 20 months when your mind can finally let go of the fact that you're not going to get hurt again. Um, I come back from my fall travel ball season and I'm killing it. I'm excited, I'm ready to go. Um, I actually had more questionnaires and interest from pro scouts before I even had a division one offer. I had, I had pro scouts coming up to me and saying, Hey, you know, why aren't you committed? I'm like, ah, I missed pretty much all of last year with Tommy John. And they're like, Oh, all right. Well, that makes sense then. And, you know, I, I had, I had a lot of junior college offers and, you know, I, I wanted to play division one baseball. Um, that was just my goal as a person. And when I set myself to do something, that's, that's what I'm going to do. It's not that I have any issues with, you know, programs in division two. I mean, some of these programs in division two could wipe the floor with some of these division one programs and it goes, you know, down the list. They're all the same, but my goal is to go to division one. And that's what I wanted to do. And it was just discouraging at times, you know, knowing that I was good, but that I was just, I just missed some of the boats on a lot of the teams. You know, I had certain coaches saying, you know, I would love for you to come 
to my school, but I can only give you a recruit a walk-on spot. And I, I think that you're better and you deserve more. And, you know, I respected them for this, you know, telling me that, um, long story short, I ended up going to, um, a pro showcase down in, what was it? Tiger town in Lakeland, Florida. Um, it's called uh, diamond club. And it's basically just a pro showcase for guys coming their senior years of high school. It's only guys in Florida. They split us up into West, East, North, and South. And we just play a little round Robin type deal. Nothing crazy. Every pitcher gets, uh, I think two innings. Um, and when I was there, I was one of like five uncommitted people. I mean, these guys were Florida, FSU, Miami, UNC, you, you name them, all the big schools. I'm sitting here like, all right, <laughs> here we go. This is baseball. And I get out there. Um, I'm there out there for BP. And I didn't know any of these guys. They all knew each other from, you know, whatever. Cause they're all, they're all doing these high level showcases. And I was just, just got invited and you have to get invited by a pro scout to, to go to this thing. You don't just walk up. And so I get up there and this, this lefty just smoking balls, smoking balls over right. 380, 400, 420. And I'm like, you know, like, Oh geez. It was Kyle Tucker who actually went ended up going, I think sixth pick that year. He's uh, starting for the Astros probably this year. Um, he'll be in right field or left field, I think. But I mean, I'm just watching these kids smoke balls. I get up there for my two innings. I strike out five out of six. And so, <laughs> you know, slight work, you know, slight work. So, <laughs> so I get up after the game and I go see my parents and there's a coach waiting for me. He's from Elon. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, he did pretty good today. You know, what do you think about coming to Elon? And I'm like, I have no idea what Elon is, but you know what? Let's take a visit. <laughs> so I take a visit and I fell in love with the school. It's the most, it's the, I think Princeton review ranked it number one, most beautiful campus in the country. And it's true. It was amazing. Um, I loved where the school was academically. Um, it's a really good school. And I was excited about being able to a, you know, play baseball, go in and be an effective reliable starter when I got there. And also, you know, I was able to get a good degree from Elon. Um, that was very important to me that, you know, I, I wanted to play baseball, but you know, you need to have a degree to fall back on, um, you know, in case things don't work out. Um, so I get to Elon and, you know, college is all what it's cracked up to be, you know, having fun, doing whatever. Uh, let me pause you there because there's so many good gems in that in that early journey sure. um sure. and i i love how you know you're going into your sophomore season and the news is i gotta get tj and for you you're yeah. like all right well get let's get this thing done so i can get back on the field and play and you got you got parents and athletes like so what's next like like you're done now um, yeah I, I i was actually a parent of one of my teammates came up to me, you know, what's next for you now? I'm like, and I, and I just go right into it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go have my appointment with Dr. Andrews here in about a month or two. And he's like, what? Like, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not just quitting. You know, this is, you know, this is, this is my, this is what I do. I'm good. This is what I'm good at. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. And that's, I think kids need to hear that because you know, you're so young and impressionable, impressionable going through that. You could have been like, ah, yeah, maybe I should just give it up get a real job, go to college. 
but you you had no doubt and it, it clearly no doubt so i think i think that's extremely important uh you know there's going to be setbacks and i think i think you can look back on it and i had some major injuries as well those things built you up mentally to be prepared for where you're at now so like for me like i want to hear i want to hear about that six months going through the the rehab process you're lifting one pound dumbbells well your teammates are grinding hitting 500 pound deadlifts getting after it like how are you staying locked in and trusting the process while you're li- while you're doing that? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't, I can't even really tell you how I did it. I mean, it was tough. I was a 16 year old kid. It's not, you know, right now in my, in terms of where I am in my life, you know, I can make a plan and, you know, I know exactly what I need to do to keep myself on track, whether it's, you know, setting short goals and things like this. Mm-hmm. But when I was 16, I didn't have any, at that level of maturity. You know, those six months were terrible. I mean, those are, that was probably the low point of my life. You know, I was depressed. I felt like, you know, I lost my entire identity because I wasn't playing baseball. Um, I, you know, I barely had time for my friends because I was doing rehab. You know, I would go to school seven to two. I would get out, get some food. I would have to drive about 30, 45 minutes to go to rehab. I would be in rehab from probably three to actually, yeah, uh, probably like three thirty to like five, five thirty, mm-hmm. and then I'll come home eat dinner and do my homework and go to bed. And it's yeah. not like I was doing anything crazy. Um, so it was tough. But my advice would be if any, if you're ever going through a situation like that, you just got to remember why you're doing it. You know, for me, it was. You know, I play baseball. I'm good at baseball. I want to, I want to go to college, play baseball. And I, I just, uh, for me, I was just reminding myself why I was doing it and why I started doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have at any point during my rehab been like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But the whole reason I started, I didn't have to get Tommy John there. You don't have to get Tommy John to keep living your life. You'll be okay. I mean, it might hurt to throw with your kids when you're 40, but it, you know, you, you'll be all right but I got surgery because I wanted to play baseball. And I, that's what I just reminded myself every day, you know, why I'm doing this, you know, it'll pay off in the end. You'll get there. You know, there, there's still going to be times that suck, but you know, you'll get there eventually. 100%. And I think that comes down to having a vision and whether you knew you had a vision, you knew exactly what you wanted to do. Uh, and you knew the path it took and it didn't matter what people had to say, what obstacles came up. Cause it was, you know, the path ain't straight, but how am I going to get there? How am I going to get tomorrow, a month from now, uh, no matter what? So I think, I think that's awesome. So what I want to dive into next, like one thing you mentioned was Elon offered me a spot, beautiful campus, beautiful education, uh, D1, D2, D3. Like there's some schools that can all compete. Uh, Absolutely. It's just a label. And for me, like, I think that's extremely important for people listening. I think kids are like, I don't think people realize that 2% of baseball players will get to play professional baseball. Um, and absolutely, absolutely, I want you to chase that and give it everything you got. But I mm-hmm. also want you to grow just as much as a human. I don't want you yeah. to get to program, uh, play baseball, and then you come out and you have no skills, no education, you got half a degree but you got to play 
division one baseball or division two baseball. Um, and now you're working at a, at a, yeah, you know what I mean? You're working at you a, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so I think that's, I think I'm really glad you said that. And I think it's an important yeah. factor when deciding on a college, uh, and, and just figuring out what's, what's a good fit for you. So let's, let's continue the story. You got to Elon. Uh, I remember I, I was creeping you a little bit and I saw a video you thrown in high school. And then I saw, I think it was your junior year at Elon. And I was, it was two different players. Uh, Absolutely. So I want like, I want to know, you know, what happened between, you know, grade 12 and, and a couple of years at Elon, what were you doing? What, what did things look like? So this actually started probably between during, so during this Tommy John period and then going from about the rest of my junior year through senior year, um, my permit, I don't know if it, if it works the same way everywhere in the country, but like in Florida, you get a permit when you're, when you're 15 and then on your license and then you get your license when you're 16. Right. So on my permit, I was five, six on my license. I was six foot. <laughs> and then by the time I got to Elon, I was six two. I grew what is that eight inches almost in about two and a half years. Yeah. And which was insanity. Insanity. I mean, nobody nobody thought that I was ever gonna grow. And I eventually became this, you know, and then I was 175 and about as big as my pinky finger around. Um I got to campus and Florida's a pretty serious place for baseball i mean you walk around and you see a high school field and so and if you had took someone from up north and showed them that same high school field they'd be like what is this a minor league stadium i mean it, it's nuts and but still when i got to elon and the programs that we had in place and the how meticulous we were with our training um that was different that was different for me as a player going from high school to a system like that but also for me as a player who batted third in the lineup started at shortstop every day and when he wasn't starting at shortstop every day he was on the mound I was able to finally focus on pitching and not just and I was going to pitching lessons every week when I was a high schooler it's not like I didn't focus on pitching but I was finally able to really dive in to you know my life on the mound mm -hmm. and on top of that we were hitting the weight room at least three times a week we were encouraged to go more if we could. Um, and I started to fill out. Um, my freshman year, they didn't get on me too much about weight. We focused mainly on maturing my, um, my pitchability um, to the college ranks. Because when I got to Elon, I was first out of the bullpen. I threw 50 innings out of the bullpen my freshman year. Um, you know, I had times where I was, I was, I threw every midweek. And then I threw twice a weekend, which is a lot, especially for a guy who just came, you know, I, I see my senior season was the first season that I pitched out of Tommy John. And then I was coming out of high school as it is. And then going right into college where I was, you know, throwing three times a week. That's a lot for a guy. And, you know, I did well. I had, I had my ups and downs and I learned from those ups and downs. And I think they those ups and downs are good for me. Um, I come into summer training and my pitching coach, uh, Mike Posey, who is now at Dallas Baptist, uh, he's doing great. Uh, love to hear from him, but, um, he, 
comes up to me and another freshman in my class and says, you guys are get, gaining weight. And we're like, oh boy, here we go. So <laughs> for us, our daily diet consisted of seven eggs, four pieces of bacon, toast, and a calorie drink. So it couldn't be water. It had to be orange juice or milk. Mm-hmm. Or our other option for breakfast is two bagels with peanut butter and a calorie drink. Between that breakfast and lunch, we had to have a thousand calorie snack. We had, then we had to have a regular sized lunch between lunch and dinner. We would have a thousand calorie snack. And then we'd have regular sized dinner on days that we worked out, which we were working out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And this is while we're at Elon. Mind you, we were, we, we came to Elon for the summer instead of playing summer ball or doing any of that because both of us had thrown a lot of innings. Yeah. And so on days that we worked out, we would uh, drink a shake that was around 2000 calories. Um, and then on other days that we weren't working out, he, uh, coach Fozzi would let us have a frosty or like a cookout milkshake or something like that. And you know, that diet was insane. And I gained weight like that. Um, I'm not saying that necessarily that's the best way to do it for everybody. It worked for me. And next thing you know, I'm 185 pounds and I'm ready to go. That's, that's that difference. That's that difference that you saw in me when I, started to fill out that weight. My shoulders became bigger. I started to get better stamina and I was, and then along with the maturity that comes with, you know, college, you're there to be a student, but for a lot of us, you know, that was a job. Yeah. You know, we, we, that was, this is our job. We're here to do this. And if you're not here to do this, get out of my way. You know, it's one of those, one of the types of those things. If you have, you know, my teammates, if they weren't there to get better and do do the things that we needed to do while we're at the field, you know, I'm here to do my stuff. So, so that's, that's where you saw that change when you, when you can devote yourself to a system and, you know, I wish I had done it earlier. I wish I had gone and said, you know what, this is going to be my routine while I was in high school. Yeah. I would have became a better player at that point. But for me, it didn't happen until I got to college. And that's where you started to see those changes, not only in my body, but in how I pitched. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that from an athlete, a pitcher currently, um, because I always preach the importance of weight room nutrition uh, and just helping your body develop. But, you know, of course I'm going to say that that's my job. Uh, (laughs) So, so no, I'm, I'm glad you said that. So let's dive in. Like, I want to go into the pitching side of things with you. That's your, that's your bread and butter. And I think a lot of athletes can take a lot from this. Um, you know, we'll talk about how you battle adversity on the mound, uh, developing pitches, you know, sure. how and, and how you've evolved as a pitcher. And obviously our goal is to help these younger guys uh, develop at a faster rate, just through a, a simple conversation that you and I can have. Um, so maybe we can like, maybe let's start about your process on the mound, how you prepare for outings. I know you're a bullpen guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there things you do that day? Uh, is it the same warm up routine? Uh, and then how do you mentally prepare? Because, you know, you might come into absolute chaos, but your job is to just stay locked in and, and do your job. So yeah, let's talk about your process a little bit. Well, so I've actually done both. Um, 
my freshman year, Elon, I was the first guy out of the pen. My first year pro ball, I was a closer, but um, I'm actually a starter. Yeah, I, I've been, I was a starter sophomore year, Elon, starter junior year, Elon, and then a starter. I was opening day starter for the Aberdeen Ironbirds in 2019. Um, so I, I kind of have experience on both sides. Yeah. Um, for most of the guys that I coach, um, I preach routine. You know, let's find something that you can stick to that you can do every day and that you can do on game days that keeps you grounded. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're away at this field. It doesn't matter if it's raining that day or if you get delayed or if you do this or you do that, it doesn't matter. You're grounded to this routine and it keeps a sense of comfort for you that, you know, I have trust in this process that I'm going to do every single time that I pitch. And that way that, no matter what happens, I can go back on this and I'm ready to go when it's game time. Um, you know, of course, there's always going to be things that go wrong, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll adapt. We'll adapt and overcome. That's not, that's not a huge deal. Um, for me, um, one of the biggest things that helped me in game adjusting to things going wrong or grounding myself, um, I would suggest picking something that's your moment to relock in. So for me, if you watch me pitch, I'll do it. I'll probably do it once an inning, unless I'm cruising. I'll get up right up right before I step on the rubber. I look the I look at my hand with the ball in it, and I twirl the ball around. I'm just looking at the ball, twirling around, and then I step on the mound. For other guys, they'll look into left and just stare at the left field foul pole. I've had teammates that will start singing in their head. It's, but something like that to keep you grounded when things are going wrong. That's one of the first things that I learned in college that helps me still to this day and made me a better player immediately mm-hmm. because you'll see these guys that things go wrong and some might have a plan, but they'll change it every single day. They'll do this and then they'll be like, Oh, I'm going to try this. And then I'm going to try this. And okay, then I'm gonna try that. And so now it's something new every single day, and there's nothing to keep keep yourself grounded. Where and then there's guys that just don't have anything, and then stuff goes wrong, and mentally you break down, and you know that's where you start to get into trouble. You know you're gonna have bad days where you don't have your best stuff, but if you can keep yourself grounded and still battle with the other team, you'll find that your worst outings won't be so bad. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's that's a life lesson, too. Uh, it's not... For everything. That applies to everything. Everything. Uh, baseball prepares us for life, not just the sport. So, no, that's good. Um, so, let's talk, let's talk about Ryan's on the mound. Uh, game's about to start, or he's just about to get into the game. Um, watching hitters walk up, how they stand. Um, how, how do you figure out you know, how am I going to attack this hitter? What are some things I'm looking for? Uh, what's this hitter's game plan? I know it's a little different at the pro ball level because we have so much information. Uh, catchers are doing their job. They're looking at video before the game. But let's say when you don't have access to that before pro ball, like what are some things these guys can look at and, and figure out how am I going to attack this player and, and dominate? Okay, so yeah. So, I mean, 
I think I'm a little different than other people. Um, I'm sure there's some like me, but for me, the information side, especially in pro ball, I'll, you know, digest that information pre-stretch and the day before I'll look at tendencies, uh, hot zones and cold zones and things like that and how their swing looks. And then once it's game time for me, it's time to compete. And, you know, I'm going after this guy, this guy's trying to kill me and I'm trying to kill him. That's, you know, that's the type of deal that I'm going for. Um, so for me, I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not looking for things that they do. I'm more looking at, I'm, I'm better than this guy. I'm, I'm, for me, I'm talking myself up. You know, if you, if you talk to any of my former teammates, especially at Elon, you know, they would call me a psychopath on the mountain. You know, I was the guy, you know, talking to myself, like, can want to kill the other team, you know, not literally, but you know, you get the point, you know, I'm, I'm fired up. And when I get out of innings, huge innings, I'm yelling, I'm pushing people, I'm going after people. And, you know, my personality outside the field, you would never guess that in a million years. Mm-hmm. But for me, and I would suggest for guys going in the mound, you know, digest your information, especially for high school guys, you know, all the kids in the area, talk to people, know what they do well, know what they do bad. But when it's game time, it's time to compete. It's time to go after him with your best stuff, attack the zone, put the pressure on the hitters, and good things will happen. That's really all I got. That, that's that's my game plan when I going in. I'm throwing my best stuff, and I'm not I'm not being soft. I'm not throwing my stuff hoping he doesn't hit it. I'm not throwing my stuff barely at the strike zone, so hoping that he he chases it. No, I'm going at him with my best stuff. Here we go. Here it is. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I think, I think players can also start to understand that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to uh, attack people on the mound. There's some guys who are more intuitive and, and relaxed, and that's their nature. And then there's some guys that just love getting fired up. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's, that's dope. So I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how to add a pitch, how to know when to add a pitch, how, to, how you work on your command with pitches, um, I know we were talking about, and th- this might be a little bit too advanced for some of these guys. Uh, we were talking about like pitch axis. If I got a two seamer going in, I can complement it with a slider. Or I got a power fastball up. Uh, I can complement it with a, with a 12, six curveball or, or more of a, a downward rotated curveball. Um, for a younger pitcher, like how can we talk to the, how can we talk about this in layman's term? just to stimulate their mind and sort of figure out like, Hey, what's my strength? What's my weakness? And how can I pitch with what I got? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of adding pitches, um, there's a lot of different reasons why you would add a pitch and how you can add a pitch and when you should. Um, For a lot of guys, if you're a guy right now who throws fastball slider, and let's say you've, you've got those down. And I wouldn't suggest adding another pitch until you do have that slider down. And you can command your fastball. Once you can command both of those pitches, then it's time to look at what kind of slider do you really throw? Do you throw a sweeping slider Do you that's a little slower? Or are you a guy like me who throws a really hard slider that's pretty much a cutter? You know, you have to look at speeds. Am I mixing up my speeds? Um, the Orioles, for example, I'm adding a curveball this, this upcoming season. Um, and that was because I sit 90, 94 with my fastball. My slider is 87. 
and my splitter is 85. And those are all the top ends, but still, those, those aren't that far apart. Mm-hmm. So when I come now with a, a curveball at lower speeds, now I'm giving the hitters different looks. Yeah. Um, so my advice for adding a pitch in before you, before any of the other factors, command the fastball and be able to command that second pitch where you want it for two strikes and for early in the count. If you can do those three things, then I would suggest adding that third pitch. And then if you want to, and then it's the same thing applies. You can do all three of those with all three of those pitches. Mm-hmm. Now you start going for that fourth pitch and what pitch you choose is based on, you know, a lot of different factors like the speeds, uh, directions, you know, are you throwing everything that goes left or, you, or you, do you have a change up that goes right? Do you throw a two seam? Things like that. There's a lot of different factors um, and they're all important. So you should all look at all them f- before that. Um, what was the second half of that question? I feel like I had something good to say. It was, it was talking about strengths and weaknesses. Um, how, you know, how can athletes figure out what is my strength on the mound? What is my weakness? Uh, and obviously yeah. that's going to be result-based. And I think you, you touched upon it pretty good there. It is result it, for The thing that I tell the guys when I'm coaching, I don't call pitches in high school. I'm a pitching coach right now for where I went to high school until I leave for spring training. Um, I don't call pitches. And it's because I want my pitchers to throw what they're confident in. Sometimes, especially with younger pitchers, um, you'll get up there and whether the pitching coach or the catcher is calling pitches and he throws something down and the kid feels like he needs to throw that, even if he doesn't want to throw that, you lost. That's an automatic L. You you didn't have conviction in that pitch. That's an L. I'd rather him get up there and throw something that I didn't dis- that I disagreed with throwing in that situation, because more than likely he's going to get the outer of the strike because he has conviction in that pitch. He has trust that he wants to throw it there. And for me, that's knowing your strength. Figure out what you like to throw the most, and run with it. Take that and say, "All right, I I love my slider." Learn how to throw it 0-2 to a right-hander. Learn how to throw it 0-0 to a right-hander. Learn how to throw it front hip to a right-hander. Same thing, lefties. Learn how to throw it to all these different places. So now you have your favorite pitch in any situation that you could possibly want. That's how you figure out your strengths. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to take up your whole day. So we'll go you know, maybe two questions. Uh, and then we'll let you go. So yeah, thank, thanks for everything so far. Um, let's let's talk about the grind, the grind of <laughs> baseball. Um, I think people before they get there, they think it's all glamour and glory. I play baseball three hours a day, relax, golf the rest of the time. Uh, life's good. Airplanes, hotels, lots of people, lots of money. <laughs> uh, and that's definitely not the case. So. Can you, can you walk us through maybe a story or even just like a bit of the minor league grind, the bus rides, the sleep, sure. all that stuff? Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of people think like that, airplanes. There's no airplanes in the minor leagues. Um, you drive everywhere and you play every day. So if I have a 7 o'clock game on a Thursday night in – 
Aberdeen, Maryland. And I have a Friday night game at in Rome, Georgia. I finish that 7 o'clock game in Aberdeen at, I don't know, 10, 10.30, take a shower, they feed us, and then we hop on the bus. We got 12 hours to Rome, Georgia. We'll get to uh, Rome, Georgia at 10, 11 a.m., take a little snooze, head to the field and go play game one of that series. It's Rome. You know, it's, it's tough. And the thing that I say the most to people who ask me how it is, is you have to love baseball mm-hmm. and it, and you can't hide. There is no hiding. If you're someone who just like plays it because like whatever, uh, and you're thinking, Oh, I'm just going to go play pro ball because whatever. No, you can't hide. You'll get, you'll get weeded out so fast. It's not even funny because it's terrible at times, but for me, I'm getting paid to play the game I love. I'm getting paid to play a kid's game. Run out there and all these kids think I'm the coolest thing ever. It's awesome. And that's what makes it fun. You know, there's, there's these things that stink. I mean, I won't, I won't say where it was, but I showed up to um, a field once and my locker was a chain link fence because I wasn't pitching that series. And the locker room wasn't big enough for all of us. So I just hung my jerseys on the chain link fence put my bags in the dirt, get dressed for the game, go out there, watch nine innings and come back in. Um, I've had a, we've had locker rooms where some of the guys on the team's lockers were in the bathroom. There wasn't a locker there. We just used the towel hooks to hang up our stuff. I mean, it, there's, there's, there's stuff that stinks and I don't hate it. There's never like a time when I'm like, ah, this sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it sucks, but it's not like I'm like, ah, what am I doing? Yeah. And if you have those moments where you're like, what am I doing? Probably shouldn't be there. Um, you know, I think my, my favorite story from pro ball so far is um, my, one of my te- one of my uh, best friends with the Orioles, his name is Kevin McGee. He was the ninth rounder my year. Uh, so the pick after me for the Orioles and we're in, uh, where are we? Tri-City Valley Cats. We're playing the Tri-City Valley Cats. Houston Astros affiliate up in uh, Albany, New York. And we're in the bullpen. This is our first season. So we're both um, bullpen pitchers. And these kids are just hounding us for baseball. So, Can I have a ball? Can I have a ball? Can I have a ball? We already gave out like six. Our pitching coach is going to get so mad at us if we give out any more because we have to keep it. You know, we got to make it through the road trip. We'll give them all out every road trip, but we just got to make it through the road trip to have baseballs to throw. And so <laughs> Kevin says to this kid, Hey, if you get me an ice cream, I'll give you a ball. <laughs> so the kid runs off. Uh, and we're all like, no way he comes back with an ice cream. There's no, there's just no way he comes back with this beautiful Sunday <laughs> chocolate sauce, ice cream, everything. And we're like, wow, look at that. <laughs> and so Kevin walks up to him and this kid, mind you, this kid's like probably eight years old. And uh, Kevin says, all right, give me the ice cream. <laughs> and the kid's like, no, give me the ball first. And Kevin thinking, oh, you know, what's the worst this kid? What's, what do you think? This kid's going to outsmart me right now. So he's like, here, gives him the ball. Kid walks away with the ice cream and the ball. Oh. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. Absolutely played by an eight year old. Yeah. Professional pitcher. See you, buddy. 
Yeah. Uh, so Kevin actually tweeted that out one time. It actually went viral. I think he had a couple of big leaguers uh, tweet at him for that one and like his photo or like like his post. But it was that that's my favorite. Just getting absolutely played by an eight year old. <laughs> that kid's a baller. An absolute baller. He's gonna be a stud. Uh, He's gonna be a stud. That's too good. I uh, I I I actually love the grind. Like when I was in high school, I remember. Uh, actually, I hitchhiked to trials one time. And I, I had nowhere to stay because it was an hour and a half away from my hometown. So I actually I, I, I plugged up in the dugout, slept on my baseball bag. And I think it's those those greasy moments where you're, you know, you're hanging your stuff in the bathroom. You're you're at a chain link fence. It's like, oh, yeah. You love the game or not? Because I, I think it doesn't matter how talented you are. You, you got no shot. If you if you don't love that grind, you got no shot. No. <laughs> Yes, you nothing. You have no shot if you don't love the game, especially yeah. in pro ball, even in college, even in high school. Yeah. The higher you go, if you don't equally as love the game, it doesn't matter how talented you are. It'll it'll find you. The baseball gods don't miss anything. I always tell my high schoolers that said the baseball gods do not miss anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a kid's game. Sure is. Paid to play a kid's game. You got nothing to complain about. That's uh, that's right. That's good stuff. And I think we'll uh, we'll probably end it right there. Uh, How can how can we support you? So where can we follow you? Um, Is there anything we can do to support you? I'll I'll link some some stuff in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I just have typical socials: Instagram, uh, Ryan or R Conroy 08. Uh, zero eight and then on twitter i think i'm ryan conroy 16 you know give me a follow um you know and if anybody ever has any questions outside and want to dm me something on instagram you know i'm always open to you know helping guys out uh you know giving back to the game is what i love to do as well so anybody ever has any questions or specific questions just to feel free to reach out are you an athlete trying to take your sports career to the next level Are you trying to secure your spot on an all-star team, college roster, professional roster, or Olympic roster? Are you an athlete who is highly motivated and works hard in the gym and on the field but aren't seeing the results you deserve? That's where I come in. I'm a sports performance specialist and I help athletes separate themselves from their competition through precise, detailed, and meticulous strength training programs. I help you develop the speed, power, strength, and athleticism it takes to stand out and separate yourself from your competition. If this is something you're interested in, head over to my website, instinctperformance.ca, and fill out the online coaching application form, and we will schedule a free consultation to see if you're a good fit. What this looks like. If you get accepted, you'll receive a detailed movement assessment where we test your deficiencies and determine what your strengths and weaknesses are. Number two, you'll have access to an app that I use that outlines the exact exercises, sets, reps, and rest intervals. This app gives you full video breakdown of each movement so you know exactly how to do it. If this is something you're interested in, head over to our website, instinctperformance.ca. 
Hit us up on social media. Instagram is ip.performance and Facebook is Instinct Performance. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Isaiah out.